Everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Hebrews 5, 13, and 14. Hey guys! Hey! <laughs> Welcome back to Bible Babbles. I'm Brooke. I'm Addison. And we are so excited for you to be here and to be tuning into this episode. Oh yeah, we're excited. <laughs> well, this podcast season, we are addressing various theological debates that we just find interesting and want to know more about. Um, and so we want to learn alongside with you guys. And so this episode, we are going to be talking about the theological debate, um, Arminianism versus Calvinism. Woo! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So the goal of this episode is to have basically just an introductory, simple explanation of both sides of Calvinism and Arminianism um, so that we can help you guys start your own personal journey in searching scripture and formulating um, your own convictions about what scripture says about each side of this debate. And so our hope is that you would find scripture to be your highest authority in life. And so um, everything that we talk about today, um, we hope that you check against scripture and um, just yeah, hold scripture to your highest authority. And so not our words, um, but God's words. And so we are so excited about sharing this with you guys and sharing with you what we have researched in the past few weeks. Yeah, and to be a little bit more detailed about the structure and like the content of this podcast episode, um, we're just going to be doing brief overviews of um, the sides of Calvinism and Arminianism. We're not going to hit every single standpoint ever, um, but we are going to do our best to go over Tulip and the Arminian Remonstrance. Um, so that's kind of what we're going to be doing. And then we're going to be using a scripture or two um, to kind of show you what that looks like in scripture and how that scripture is used to defend both sides. For time, we're only going to be able to do one or two scriptures. So there's a lot of scripture that both sides use to, to support their viewpoints. Um, we learned that it takes a lot of time to discuss everything in detail. Our research um, was a lot. <laughs> Um, and we decided to do a overview, summary, kind of like, I don't know, brief introduction to this viewpoint or these viewpoints in this episode. And just to preface as well with this episode, we are not going to be giving our opinions or our viewpoints on any of this stuff. We wanted this to be objective and to just present this information in the scripture to you for you to dive into your research um, and to discern for yourself um, just because there's a lot to talk about and we definitely just want to give you information and to just talk about both sides more than trying to, I don't know, defend one side or the other or anything like that. In our personal lives, we just know that that takes a lot of time and a lot of care and so um, we won't be sharing our opinions for these episodes. But we do have personal convictions and viewpoints on these arguments. We do. Um, and so we have, in our research, learned about both of these and got to evaluate. And later in the episode, we're going to reflect on that process. Um, but we're not going to be sharing what exactly those views and 
conclusions are from our personal standpoint. Um, And I know a lot of people take this debate and say that it's not important because it's divisive, it's just not good for Christians to have opposing viewpoints, like we should just all just ignore it because it doesn't really matter. But this matters because Arminianism and Calvinism talk about salvation. They discuss our salvation, which is a big fancy word of soteriology. Um, But it's very important to talk about this kind of stuff and to know that when we learn about the history in a little bit, um, that people came up with this stuff because of convictions and looking at scripture. Um, So we want to make sure that you know how important it is that we are talking about this and that you really should pay attention and take hold of this conversation and be able to make conclusions based on scripture as well. And in learning about and diving into soteriology, it's important to know that God wants that for us. Um, Like the verse that I read at the beginning of this podcast, um, we start our walk on spiritual milk, something that is, you know, easy, it's nourishing, it does its job. Um, But God desires us to be fed on spiritual food, which is uh, deeper, Um, it's more nourishing, it's just more satisfying. Um, And so we want to have that in our minds as we go into studying soteriology because God wants us to know more. He wants us to dive into this stuff so that our faith um, is progressive and it doesn't just stay in one place. Um, And like we talked in our first episode, um, having a deep understanding of God and what he has done with you done for you especially in terms of salvation is so rich and just deepens your faith Um, so we're going to dive in I'm so excited Um, before we dive in I'm gonna have Addison pray for us and we'll get talking (laughs) awesome um dear Heavenly Father Lord we just thank you Lord that you have given us scripture Lord so that we can um, further understand who you are and who we are in Christ. And so we just pray, Lord, that as we talk about um, salvation and how you made it possible for sinners like us to have salvation, Lord, I pray that you would give us understanding, Lord, that we would look at your scripture, Lord, and evaluate it and check our hearts and minds with scripture, Lord, um, and align our emotions and our uh, thoughts and our Um, our actions, Lord, with scripture so that we um, can look more like Christ and be um, more in awe of you. And so we just pray, Lord, for clarity um, that our listeners and both Brooke and I, Lord, would um, just further better understand um, what your word has to say about salvation through this conversation. Um, And we love you, Lord, um, because you've loved us first. And in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, well, awesome. Let's get this discussion started. So I'm going to start with just talking about the history of Arminianism and Calvinism, just so then we have a little bit of a background um, to what we're talking about today. So I'm going to start with Calvinism. So Calvinism is named after John Calvin, um, who was a French theologian who lived from 1509 to 1564. And then Arminianism is named after Jacobus Arminianus, 
who was a Dutch theologian who lived from 1560 to 1609. And so in the 1600s, the Church of Holland um, had a certain set of beliefs, um, and they held their beliefs um, based upon um, the Belgic Confession of Faith and the Heidelberg Catechism. And so that was kind of their statements of beliefs. Um, in 1609, Jacobus Arminianus, he um, taught against these statements and these beliefs in the catechisms, um, and he had a bunch of followers that were following him as he was teaching against these um, catechisms. And so um, when Jacobus died, his followers, um, wrote up something called the Arminian Remonstrance, which are five statements that oppose the Church of Holland and their beliefs that they had. And so the Church of Holland had Calvinistic, um, beliefs, um, and so Jacobus, basically his followers drew up these, um, five articles to oppose those Calvinist beliefs. And in response, um, Calvinist theologians wrote the acronym TULIP. Um, and so basically, these were five statements that were responding to the five articles of the Arminian Remonstrance. And so this was taking place in the 1600s. And um, it just it makes it pretty clear for us studying this that there's five differences between the two sides of this debate. So it makes it really easy for us to, I mean, I say easy, but it makes it <laughs> more structured, I guess I should say, when we're looking at the difference between Calvinism and Arminianism, because there's only five statements. They're big statements. And we're going to dive into each of them, but they are directly opposing each other. Um, and so because of that, Brooke, what are the five statements of Armini the Arminian remonstra remonstrance? Hello. And the TULIP acronym that Calvinists hold to. Addison, I am so glad you asked. Um, so the first half of each statement is Calvinist, and then the second half is Arminian. So the first one is total depravity versus partial depravity, which is the T. And then there's unconditional election versus conditional election. Then limited atonement and unlimited atonement. Irresistible grace and resistible grace. And then perseverance of the saints versus conditional salvation. So, wow. I guess all that's left is to talk about them. I guess so. <laughs> okay. Let's get into it. Buckle up. It's going to be a wild ride. <laughs> Yeehaw! Sorry, I could not, I could not resist. I had to. We're in a goofy mood today. <laughs> we really are. I don't know why. Well, I love but it. But I like it. I, I like it. the the vibe today. Okay. <laughs> okay, so we are getting into the first statement of the Armenian Remonstrance and the T and Tulip and we're going to talk about the difference. Um so like I said, buckle up. Um so Calvinism believes in total depravity which means every aspect of humanity is corrupted by sin. Therefore, human beings are unable to come to God on their own accord. And then the definition of partial depravity is, this is what Arminianism believes, is every aspect of humanity is tainted by sin, but not to the extent that human beings are unable to place their faith in God of their own accord. 
we're going to look at one verse for this one statement to kind of explain the difference between the two. Um, so Romans seven eighteen is the one that we believed was um, the most clear and kind of demonstrating the difference between the two. Um, so this is Paul speaking and it says, for I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. Okay, so let's look at how Arminians would interpret this verse first, and then we'll look at what Calvinists would say. So um, this is to Burke and I's best ability to explain. So um, yeah, um, so Arminians, um, like I said a minute ago, they believe that we are born partially good. Um, but over time, we have chosen sin and become enslaved by sin. Um, and so they believe that there is basically three parts of a person. And so there is the body, the spirit, and the soul. And so they believe that the body and the spirits um, become enslaved by sin over time, that you're born innocent, um, but over time you choose sin and you become enslaved to sin. But your soul is still able to choose God over your sin. And so Arminians believe that there's still partial good in us because we are able to choose God over our sin, even though all of us do become enslaved by sin over time. So Arminians believe that this verse that Paul wrote um, is not talking about their inability, like a person's inability to choose God, but that this is simply about spiritual warfare because Paul was already a Christian. And so when Paul said that there is nothing good in him when it comes to the flesh, Arminians believe that he's talking about his body and his spirit, not his soul. So his soul still, he still has the ability to choose God, but there's nothing good in him and his flesh. Um, and so Arminians point to Genesis one twenty seven, which says that God was, uh, God created man in his own image. Um, and so because of that, they believe since God is gracious, he's just, he's loving, he's patient, etc. Um, being made in his image means that we are also capable of manifesting good qualities such as love, patience, etc. And so um, other Arminians will also interpret this verse saying that, um, this scripture isn't talking about believers at all, but it's talking about unbelievers. So if you have nothing good in your flesh, it's because they're talking about, like Paul is talking about, um, before you come to know God. But that doesn't really make sense because Paul is writing here. So, and he's a believer. Now let's look at the Calvinist interpretation of this verse. I'm going to read it again. So it says, for I know, this is Paul speaking, that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. And so Calvinists, um, in contrast to Arminians, believe that, yes, this verse is talking about Paul fighting spiritual warfare, but Calvinists believe that Paul saying this here, that he has nothing good in him, points to the idea that we have nothing good in us. Um, and so when we come to Christ, um, anything that is good produced in us um, is only from God. And so if you have the ability to love somebody, then like that is by God's grace, not by um, your own ability to love um, because you have partial good in yourself. 
And so um, Calvinists believe that before Christ, humans are totally sinful and incapable of doing anything good. Um, they support this with Genesis 6, 5, which says that the Lord saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. They also use Romans 8, 7, which says, For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. And then they also use Jeremiah 17, 9, which says that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. And so, again, Calvinists believe that there's nothing good in us and that if there is anything good in us after we come to know Christ, that is by God's grace. Um, and so they also point to Romans 14, 23, which says that whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. And so Calvinists argue that even if you are a non-believer and you do something good, ultimately it's still in defiance of the Lord if you don't come to know Christ because you're not acknowledging him. And so you're still missing the mark. And technically in God's books, that would not be deemed a good deed still because the heart in it is not um, to glorify God, you're still in defiance of God. And so that's what Calvinists believe about that. And then the last thing, um, since I talked about Genesis 127 on the Arminian side, I want to kind of explain um, what Calvinists believe about that. So um, Calvinists believe that though we were created in the image of God, like Genesis 127 talks about, um, that sin defaced that image that we are supposed to bear. And so how the... What they use to support this is Colossians 3, uh, 9 through 10, which says that we are being renewed in the knowledge after the image of our creator. And so this idea that we are image bearers of God, but sin defaced it. And so when we come to know Christ, he restores that image purpose for our lives. Okay, I, I'm going to stop you for a second because I think, I think that makes sense to me. But like distorting an image... I don't know. I guess that's not like super clear to me. Yeah. Yeah. I was a little bit confused too. Um, so there's a pastor, his name's John Piper. Um, he explained this in more detail and I thought it was interesting. He gave an analogy. Um, so then we could kind of understand like, Oh, you know that we love analogies on this Yes. Podcast. Oh yeah. <laughs> Another analogy, but it's not mine. So I can't take the credit. John Piper, he basically explained this as saying that we are created in the image of God. So that means we're imaging God. Like we're not, it's not imaging ourselves. And so he was like, okay, so basically that's like if you were a mirror. And so you were created to be a mirror that displays God's glory. And so when sin entered the world, that mirror was turned downwards and that mirror is reflecting the ground. And so as mirrors, we learn to love the ground and um, want to reflect the ground instead of God. And so when God sent Jesus to earth and died for our sins, um, if we believe in Jesus and follow him, um, God will turn that mirror right side up and restore that original purpose of the mirror to um, reflect his image rather than um, being in love with our sin. And so that's the Calvinist interpretation of being image bearers of God that yes, we are, we were created to bear God's image and we still do, but it's defaced by sin. And so that means that we still have nothing good in us, that there's no partial good in us because we have sin. Um, but God and his, by his grace turns that mirror back up so that we can, um, do good things by his grace. That makes sense. <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah, I 
I, I think that illustration helps me understand. Okay. Because that is kind of difficult to understand, especially yeah. in the context of Genesis 1. Yeah. With all totally. of that discourse, especially in this debate, this kind of conversation. I think that's, yeah, I like that. Okay. Yeah. And last thing before we move on to the next statement, um, there the one big difference between Arminians and Calvinists is that um, the where sin comes from. And so um, Calvinists believe that because Adam uh, rebelled against God, that sin has entered the world. And so um, everyone is born a sinner. Um, but Arminians believe that you are born innocent and that over time you become enslaved to sin and you um, do just what Adam did. And so Adam really just set an example and you will follow suit over time. Every human will. Um, so that's a big difference between Calvinists and Arminians. Like where um, are you born a sinner or are you innocent and you fall into sin over time? But for the sake of time, we're just going to throw that out there and move on. Great. Um, so for the second difference or um, the remonstrant and the TULIP acronym is unconditional election versus conditional election. Just to note, after everything you just learned about um, the first statements, know that this structure and this argument builds on each other. So um, they're not all independent of each other they build upon and they kind of shape um what we'll get to at the at the end that is shaped by a lot of the beliefs that are established at the beginning so um just know that everything builds on each other and they're not just like random things that are put together so um for unconditional election which is the calvinist side it's the belief that in view of total depravity of man God chose some people to be saved only based on his mercy, not any foreseen merit or anything that they've done to be chosen. Their election to salvation is unconditional because God's decision in fi is final and not dependent on man or what you do. The opposite of that with Arminianism is that in view of partial depravity, God chose who would be saved based on his foreknowledge of who would put their faith in Christ. And their election to salvation is conditional upon their decision to follow Jesus. So it's based on their choice. So in knowing the two definitions, let's dive into scripture, which we have uh, two scriptures about this because we thought they were both really important to include for clarification on this viewpoint. So we're going to be doing two, which is cool. Um, so the first one is Romans 8, 29, which says, For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. So the key thing in that verse that is debated over is the word foreknew. God foreknew. For those God foreknew, he also predestined. So there's interpretations on both sides of what foreknew means. For Arminians... Foreknow means that God was able to look into the future and see who will accept Christ and who will not or leave on like their own choice, their own will. And those that God foresaw to put their faith in Christ are the ones that are predestined to be his children. And the Calvinists, they some say something a little bit different. They say that 
God's foreknowledge isn't based on what they do in the future. It's used as a personal connotation in, in the scripture. So God selected only in his sovereign power, his elect, his children. Um, this in there in the Calvinist view, this is not unjust because because we all are totally deprived, none of us deserve it. So only selecting a few based on nothing is merciful to him, like his merciful character, because none of us deserved it anyway. But we have another verse that we really want to talk through and highlight to you guys on um, this idea. Yeah, so that was a really good one, Romans 8, 29. We also want to look at Ephesians 2, 8 through 9, because I think both of us realize that ultimately this is kind of the the crux of the argument, meaning like the main, like this highlights the main difference between the two in terms of conditional and unconditional election, um, kind of boils everything down for us. So um, Ephesians 2, 8 through 9, it says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Um, really what this boils down to is Arminians and Calvinists interpret the word this differently. And so it says, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. So the word this, Arminians believe that that word is referring just to grace. And so I will read it in the way that an Arminian would read it. It says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and grace is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. And so they believe that God's responsibility is the grace part, um, and our responsibility is faith. And so God opens our eyes to see our sin of this idea of prevenient grace, which means that God opens our eyes to see our need for Christ. And then it's our decision whether to accept or reject Jesus. Um, and so that is something that you do on your own accord. That's not something that God um, does. And so grace is the gift of God. Grace is not a result of works and grace is is given to us so that no one may boast. And so that's the Arminian interpretation of this verse. And tying it back into our discussion about um, conditional election, what it's saying is that God is going to see into the future who will believe in Jesus on their own accord. And so when it says, for by grace you've been saved through faith, God will give you the grace to decide, but he can see into the future whether or not you are going to place your faith in him on your own. And so that's the important distinction between the two is that faith to an Arminian is something that you do on your own accord. And so, um, yeah, so there's that. And so then the Calvinist interpretation of this verse is a little bit different. So again, looking at that word this, says, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. So they interpret the word this to refer back to both grace and faith. And so I'll read it in the way that a Calvinist would read it. It's, they would read it as, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and grace and faith is not your own doing. Grace and faith is the gift of God. Grace and faith is not a result of works. Grace and faith is not a result of works so that no one may boast. So they believe that God's responsibility is both grace and faith, not just grace. 
And so they believe this because of, again, building blocks. All of this builds on top of each other. So they believe that there is nothing good in us, that we are totally depraved, totally simple. And so therefore, we can't even produce faith on our own because we are so simple. And so they believe that even the ability to believe on Jesus is a gift of God that he gives. Um, he gives you the ability to choose him. He doesn't just give you provenient grace that opens your eyes to see the difference between him and in your sin and then you choose, but even the ability to choose him over your sin is a gift. Um, and so they point to Ephesians 2, 5, which says that we're dead in our trespasses. Um, and so this idea of a dead person can't come to life on their own. Um, they are dead. And so something outside of that person has to breathe life into them for them to become alive again. And so Calvinists believe that someone cannot come to life spiritually without divine intervention. Okay, so back to the idea of unconditional election, this idea that um, Calvinists believe that God chooses a certain group of people not based on anything that they would do in the future, but out of his own mercy and grace. And he gives you the ability to believe by giving you the gift of faith and grace. And so that's the difference between unconditional election, which is what Calvinists believe, and then conditional election, which is what Arminians believe. Gotcha. Okay, well, um, that's two down. We have three more. Um, so let's continue. So... Number three is limited atonement versus unlimited atonement. Um, this is for Calvinists, the belief that Jesus only died for the elect, the limited atonement. And for Arminians, it's the belief that Jesus died for all, but his death only goes into effect when someone receives him by faith. And just to clarify, both sides acknowledge that Jesus is the atonement yeah. for our sins that yeah. Jesus was vicarious in the sense that he was in place of us for us dying for our sins mm -hmm. and that his atonement is sufficient for us. Um, so that's something to note. Um, they're not debating on whether or not like Jesus's death, burial and resurrection was sufficient or it was like different. It was just how, who Jesus died for, not that, his death was insufficient or anything like that. So just to clarify. So the main verse that we wanted to use for this one um, is probably familiar to you. It's John three sixteen, but we thought it was a really good verse that highlighted both sides and had good summaries of their standpoints on this with the scripture. So um, John three sixteen says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever shall believe in him will have eternal life. So the, the main thing to focus it on on this scripture is the use of the whole world. For God so loved the whole world that he gave his only son, um, which is the interpretation of what that means is different for both sides. So Arminians, they say that the whole world is the whole world. It's all people... Um, it encompasses everyone. And same for the use of us, we, our, that kind of thing in scripture. They also say that that's just all of us. 
So Calvinists say that the whole world is actually referring to God's elect throughout the world. So um, like in Ro- in Revelations 5-9, when it says every nation, tribe, and tongue, it's talking about the elect, his believers, all over the world. Um, like unlike how God used Israel in the Old Testament, a very specific people, very specific location, God's elect is not bound to that anymore. It's not bound to a culture or a location. It's across the world of any language, any country. Um, and that applies to the use of us, we, and our. It means the elect when we're looking at scripture. So with these interpretations, we can see that limited atonement with Calvinism is that God gave Jesus to die for just the elect, just his people, um, not the entire world, um, just for God's elect that are throughout the world. And Arminians say that, no, God sent Jesus to die for everyone, for the whole world. So that's how that kind of ties into their viewpoints. So now we're going to talk about the fourth difference or the fourth statements that talk about irresistible grace and resistible grace. So irresistible grace is the Calvinist view that left to our own will, um, we're going to resist God's invitation to salvation every time just because we are not capable of doing that. But when God calls a person to salvation, they will come to salvation because it's God interceding and he is doing that. For Arminians, it's resistible grace or the idea that God calls everyone to salvation and you can choose to put your faith in that, or you can just reject it. Um, So that's choosing whether or not you want to follow Christ or just reject him and not do that. And so the verse that we wanted to use to show the uh, sides of um, these two statements are is Acts 16, 14, which reads, One who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. So um, let's dive into each side. So Arminians have this idea, this viewpoint of prevenient grace, which is what Addison talked about a little bit earlier in this episode. But it's the fact that the Lord opened up Lydia's eyes to like see her need for Christ. And so then she had the option there to choose whether or not she was going to follow Christ or not. That was her choice. And Calvinists say that, well, Lydia would resist God without intervention. And so God opened her heart. He opened her heart to see him and to draw her to him and receive Christ by faith. So that's um, about Acts 16, 14. And then also we have Acts 7, 51 which says, you stiff-necked people, your hearts and ears are still uncircumcised. You are like your ancestors. You always resist the Holy Spirit, which the end of that is what um, both sides are focusing on. So Arminians say that this is a verse that shows that the Holy Spirit can be resisted, and so you can resist it and not choose to put your faith in Christ, or you can choose to put your faith in Christ. And Calvinists see this as 
evidence that the Holy Spirit is resisted by us and that we have no power to overcome that resistance and grace and God interceding in his grace will draw us to him, his intervention, basically. Um, So yeah, we are on our last point. Addison, take it away. All right, (laughs) cool. Okay, so the last point of the Arminian Remonstrance and the acronym TULIP that Calvinists adhere to is um, Perseverance of the Saints versus Conditional Salvation. Um, With the caveat that most Arminians now believe in eternal security rather than conditional salvation. So we're going to talk about that. But um, the definition of Perseverance of the Saints, which is what Calvinists believe, is a person who is elected by God's will persevere will persevere in faith and will not permanently deny Christ or turn away from him and so this idea of when you are elected by God you will not ever make a shipwreck of your faith because God will um, see to it that you will persevere until the end that you will hold fast to your faith Um, the definition of conditional salvation which is what the original Arminian remonstrance taught um, the definition of conditional salvation is that a believer in Christ can of his own his or her own free will can turn away from Christ and thereby thereby lose salvation and so the Arminian remonstrance taught that even though you can come to faith in Christ you can lose your salvation you can permanently walk away from God um, that you had the choice to follow Christ and you also have the choice to walk away But now most Arminians believe in eternal security rather than conditional salvation, which means um, eternal security basically means that once you're saved, you're always saved. The belief that from the very moment anyone um, chooses to follow Christ, they will be saved from hell and will not lose their salvation. And so that sounds pretty familiar or similar to Perseverance of the Saints. And so let's kind of dissect the difference between the two because they sound awfully familiar um, or similar, sorry. Um, So Perseverance of the Saints does teach that you have eternal security, but the main difference between Perseverance of the Saints and eternal security is that Perseverance of the Saints um, teaches that you will not make, like I said earlier, a shipwreck of your faith, that you won't um, turn away from God if you are his elect, whereas eternal security says that you can walk away, you can make a shipwreck of your faith and totally do anything you want and not see any fruit in your life, and yet you would still be saved. That once you place your faith in Christ, nothing can take that away. And so both believe that, but just slightly different. And so um, it's kind of hard to understand the difference, but the main difference is just this idea of like God will in his power Um, make you persevere for the Calvinist side. Arminian side, Arminian side says that even if you don't persevere, you will still be saved. So, um, for the sake of time, we're not going to get into verses that talk or that are used to support conditional election because most Arminians don't believe that anymore. So, um, Arminians who believe in eternal security, the verse that they usually use to support this is Romans 8, 38 through 39, which says, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height or nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will 
be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Jesus Christ, Christ Jesus our Lord. Um, so Arminians use this verse to um, basically support the idea that no matter what you do, nothing can separate you from the love of God. So even if you do walk away, even if you don't see any fruit in your life um, from the Holy Spirit, then you can still be saved. That if you believe in Jesus, you will always be saved. Nothing can take that salvation away from you. Um, and so that's what um, Arminians believe in terms of eternal security. Uh, now let's look at the perseverance of the saints, um, what Calvinists believe. Let's look at First Thessalonians five twenty three through 24, which is a pretty common verse to support um, perseverance of the saints. So it says, may God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. Okay, so this verse is talking about sanctification. Sanctification, just a little recap, means that it's this idea of becoming more like Jesus, um, doing away with your old self, so putting off sin and putting on your new self, so becoming, um, putting on your new identity in Christ, acting like a Christian. Um, and so when this verse says that God will sanctify you through and through and that the one who calls you is faithful and he will do it, he will um, continue to sanctify you in this life. Um, Calvinists believe that this is um, evidence that God will not let a believer make shipwreck of his faith, that if someone is truly the elect, that God will be faithful to sanctify them um, in their life for fruit to be produced in their life to show that they are saved um, as evidence um, and that that will be um, something that he will do in a believer's life over time and that he won't let that believer go. Um, so again, both sides, Calvinists, Arminians, um, when you're talking about Arminians who believe in eternal security, both believe in eternal security, but it's just the difference of, you know, will you see evidence of your faith in your life if you are the elect and um uh, calvinists say yes because you will persevere to the end by god's power and grace and arminians say you may or you may not but either way you are saved no matter what so that's the overview of the last statements oh of the five wow um which again is conditional salvation or eternal security and perseverance of the saints yay guys that's all five um we hope that that was clarifying if you um knew about this debate before and just didn't really know or have this is your first time being introduced to it i hope that that brought you some clarity um to what these standpoints are um obviously it's not as in depth of, as we would like it but um hopefully this was clarifying and i'm just going to run through a summary of both really quick um just so that you can be reminded of each point so arminians say that how can you be saved well you repent and you follow him christ purchased salvation for the whole world and it's you or man's responsibility to choose christ over your sin God does his part by giving you grace so that you can see your sin um, and see your need for Christ. And he also sent his son to die for your sins in order for Christ's sacrifice to become 
effective in your life, you have to do your part and have faith in Jesus. And Calvinists say, how can you be saved? Repent and follow him. Um, Calvinists hold that whoever believes in Christ will be saved without exception. But Calvinists believe that one's ability to believe is a gift that was purchased by Jesus on the cross. Since before Christ, we were dead in our sin. We're not capable. Um, After someone chooses to believe in Jesus, instead of celebrating their choice in that, their ability to choose, um, they celebrate God's mercy towards them um, and who does believe. So that is both of them in summary. Um, Hopefully that's clarifying. (laughs) Yeah. And I love, Brooke, that you really emphasize that both believe that if you want to have salvation, if you want to have a relationship with the Lord, your call, your invitation is simply to repent and follow Jesus. And so we really wanted to emphasize that at the end of our episode because, again, we're discussing uh, just two different views on soteriology, so the study of salvation. Um, But we also want to emphasize that both um, do agree on what what you do in order to follow Jesus. And so um, both believe that you cannot be saved by works um, and that salvation was a gift purchased by Jesus on the cross um, and that that gift is something that you simply have to receive, that you don't have to do anything to earn your salvation. Um, and so uh, let's look at Mark one seventeen and then uh, Mark one nineteen. Um, So it says, from that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then in verse 19, Jesus says, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And so there's two very clear commands from Jesus that I think both sides agree upon, is that Jesus calls us to repent, and Jesus calls us to follow him. And so repenting means recognizing that you are a sinner and that you need um, Jesus to be your savior from your sin. And so this idea of turning from your sin and believing on Jesus to be your savior. And so that's what repenting means. Um, and then following Jesus means to simply become his disciple. So a disciple means a learner. And so you're sin- sitting under uh, Jesus's teaching and you are becoming like Jesus as you're learning from him. And so um, if you look at Romans 10, 9, It says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that Jesus raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And so that's a promise that if you make Jesus your Lord, which doesn't mean you simply just say Jesus is Lord and then move on with your life. Like it's not just a pray once and move on, but it's this idea of making Jesus your master. And so that's what Lord means, your master, your uh, teacher. And so if you um, submit yourself under the Lord, recognizing your need for him, the need for Jesus, then you will be saved. That is a promise. And so, yes, we're not perfect in this life. We will mess up. Um, And actually, both sides believe that perfectionism is not supported in the Bible, which is another conversation we can have another day. Um, But yeah, we will never be perfect in this life. But we are called to um, repent from our sin and to follow him to become disciples, Um, though it won't be a perfect journey. um, He will save us. And so, um, last thing, Romans 6, I mean, sorry, not Romans, Luke 640 says, a disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone, when he is fully trained, will be like his teacher. And so both sides agree that, um, in order 
to be a follower of Jesus, you must become a disciple. And a disciple is literally learning um, under Jesus. And the goal is to become like Jesus. And that's the goal um, in a Christian's life. And that won't be done perfectly. um, But that is our call as believers. And he is faithful to save us. Um, Salvation is... um, for you. And if you want to have salvation, then you simply repent and follow. Yeah. And I'm glad you clarified that because, um, when we talk about salvation in the bare bones of it, it's a pretty clear, um, command of God that says, you know, repent and believe and you can follow Christ. You're secure in that. So that's just really cool to highlight. Um, we, in the conclusion of talking about everything, we did want to kind of um, highlight a little bit of our research journey on this because it was extensive. Um, this came out a little bit later than we wanted to, but we wanted to make sure it was right and we were doing it um, with a heart that was centered on Christ and that um, we like didn't just want to like regurgitate knowledge, but we just wanted to um, like really think about and clarify what we were sharing with you guys. And so at least for me, (laughs) oh man, it was so hard. Like being faced with these really like deep truths, especially when we're talking about salvation, like it was hard. Um, Mm. and there was a lot of spiritual warfare. There was a lot of tears. There was a lot of frustrations. Crying together. Yeah. A lot, a lot of that. (laughs) Um, but just like trying to discern, um, was just so hard. Um, and like having this accountability to do this and to really dive into our faith has actually been really sweet because for me growing up, like just to give you guys context on my walk, like I grew up in strict five point Calvinist. Like that's how I always, um, was taught scripture. And so, wanting to make my faith my own in that process of not just accepting what I've always heard, but actually like dive into these questions and not just like push it off to the side was like really important and really clarifying to my faith and really helped me have a deeper understanding of what scripture says and who God is. Um, so it's, it's definitely beneficial to, um, check what you've learned all your life with scripture which is like my big takeaway from from this whole research process totally um i would just say in terms of my takeaway yeah this the this past month has been hard there's been a lot of moments where i just kind of broke down because i didn't understand um and so kind of a background on me um i grew up with both a little bit of like arminian and calvinist beliefs I just, of course, like, just didn't know. Like, I just didn't have much of a foundation. And so I just had a mix of everything. And then in eighth grade is when I really started to realize the importance of soteriology, this idea of like, okay, well, I am following Jesus. I am saved, but how did that happen? And would it affect my life if I better understood what Jesus did for me? Um, And it wasn't until high school where I think I really started studying it for real. Um, And then the past month with Brooke, just having a um, more in-depth study of it too has been huge. And so um, I just, the reason why, like when I was little, I had so many questions like, um, how do I know I'm saved? Or how do I know that my friend is saved? How do I know if I, you know, have just told someone the gospel that they're eternally like 
saved. I just, I had all these questions and like, how does works come in? Like, does that, I mean, I know I'm not saved by works, but like, where do they fit into the equation after you're saved? And so there was all this anxiety and fear and just things I just didn't understand. And so when I started studying like the doctrine of salvation, soteriology, a lot of things were clarified and it was so great because I was like, okay, like now, um, like scripture I'm seeing is very clear about these things and like, it's giving me a lot of comfort. And so I realized that taking hold of that, receiving that gift has so blessed me in my life and helped me through just some questions I've had. And of course there's still things that I don't understand and that I don't think scripture lays out for us. And I do want to rest in that, knowing that God is sovereign and he is in control and that we can trust him and the things that we don't understand, especially in terms of salvation. But there's definitely some things in scripture that is clear. Yeah. And it's so cool now, like evaluating both sides and like seeing like the viewpoints and everything on both sides, you can see it everywhere like when people share their testimonies with you um when you know the gospel's being presented in a sermon like you can see both sides like clearly and like what's being taught and so that's brought a lot of like discernment and clarity of like what I'm receiving and not only just like researching one side but having both sides being like oh I can recognize that but it really has been fruitful and we are so glad that we were here like being able to talk about it and like have strengthened our faith because of it. So reminder, um, this is not just for us. We want you guys to come along us with our journey to diving into theology, but we want you guys to do the same. Um, so know that in our first episode, when we talked about the importance of theology, studying theology, that it's a call to action. It's for you to take a hold of your faith and um, to dive into it yourself. So we hope that you take this little episode that we have made um, and use that as a jumping off point so that you can dive in to your discovery of theology and everything like that with that. Um, and we, like Addison said, we don't want you just to think that this this is sufficient or like, okay, I'm good, like this doesn't matter or okay, I'm good, I've heard both sides, um, but actually like dive into that. And we wanna help you with that um so go do your little do your research um go off and dive into scripture um and then we have some reflection questions that we want you to write down and ask yourself um as you go through the process um after the process and see um what fruit comes from that process yeah so i'll give you kind of six questions you can reflect on after you do your own research i will add i think just to keep in mind, since this is an objective um, podcast, we're showing both sides. I think it's important to, I guess, remind our listeners too that like we really hope that you guys, like Brooke was saying, will study scripture on your own and come to your own conviction about what scripture says about um, soteriology. Because just think about, I mean, the next time you make a decision, you may say, okay, great. I don't really care about either side or I'm content with both sides having scriptural support. But then the next day when you have to go make a decision, it's going to affect the way you like make a decision. And so you can't, you have to land on one side or the other because it does affect the way you operate in life. And so we just encourage you guys that like when you are doing your own research, Again, we presented both sides objectively, but our hope is that you will land on one side with conviction of like which with 
scripture being your highest authority, um, which side is supported by scripture. Okay, so now your homework. (laughs) We have homework. Just kidding. Um, Okay, so the first question we uh, were reflecting on, and hope you guys do too, is um, how does your personal conviction about this debate um, change the way that you make decisions in day-to-day living? So like what I just said, like if you have a choice to make about something, um, your review on soteriology will influence that. The second one is how does your personal convictions about soteriology change your attitude? Um, the next thing is how does your conviction about soteriology change the way you view this world? Fourth, how does your personal conviction about soteriology change the way you view yourself? Um, next, the fifth one, how does your personal conviction about soteriology change the way you view God? Okay, the last one is um, what changes do you need to make in your life in light of your personal convictions about soteriology? Those would be the th- six homework questions we would like you guys to reflect on. Yes, and we're not going to leave you hanging with uh, research or resources. Um, There's going to be detailed um, people or articles or whatever um, that we use in our research in the description of our YouTube video, um, also in the description of the podcast episode, just so that you guys can have a jumping off point, can start somewhere if you don't really know where to start. We thank you guys so much for tuning in um, and sticking with us to learn about Calvinism and Arminianism. It's truly been a lot of fun for us. We love this stuff. Um, So we are so glad that you sat down with us. Um, Before we send you off, um, we're going to have a quick little prayer. So let's pray. God, we are just in awe of how you love us and how um, you redeemed us through salvation. We are so thankful that you've given us resources to just dive into what that means, who you are um, with scripture and with the teachings that are at our fingertips, Lord. Um, We praise you for just who you are and how your mercy and your love has been extended to us um, and that we can um, look inwardly to ourselves and not um, just take things at face value, um, but not just rely on spiritual milk or just surface level thinking lord but that you desire for us to go deeper and to grow more in our faith lord um and so we pray that um as we continue to learn about you and learning about soteriology that you give us the discernment through the spirit and you equip us to know you more and to um just be able to praise you and give our faith back to you in jesus name we pray amen Amen. Well, um, that was it for episode two. Um, We, again, thank you guys for tuning in. And we look forward to seeing you in our next coming episodes where we're talking about different theological debates and statements with other kinds of theology. So thanks, guys, for tuning in. And we will see you guys next time. Bye. (laughs) 